sign. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, back to the underground, Pop C Underground, the show where you are getting unforgiving takes, passionate opinion on all things pop culture. Yes, I know it sounds a little bit different. I've been gone for a while, but I'm back. Here we go. Let's just roll right into it. I've brought two things to discuss today on this episode this week. So we're going to be talking about The Conjuring, The Devil Made Me Do It, which uh, is in theaters right now and also uh, has hit HBO Max as well, so you can watch this in your home just like all of other Warner Brothers movies this summer, which is really fantastic for us consumers, uh, maybe not so much for the actors and the producers and the studios and all that, but but great for us, right? Great for us consumers. So we got to talk about that. I'm going to rate that. I'm going to give my uh, opinion on it. And then we're also going to talk about Sweet Tooth on Netflix, which is a Jeff Lemire comic adaption uh, that Netflix picked up. And we're going to be talking about the first two episodes of that new series. So with that being said, I am Jordan, your host. You can follow me on Twitter at Underground, Facebook at Underground, And you can also email the show at Underground at gmail.com. So let's go ahead and hit up Pop C Weekly. All right, kicking things off in Pop C Weekly. This episode, we are going to be discussing The Conjuring, The Devil Made Me Do It. Another film from the fantastic James Wan Conjuring universe, in my opinion. So I want to preface this by talking about the first two Conjuring films, which I thought both were very, very good. The second one, not as good as the first one, but that was always going to be hard to beat. This was one of those situations where the bar was set so high with that first movie that I don't think anything that that can ever come after it in the Conjuring universe is ever going to be quite as good as that first movie. Because, man, that first movie, it it gave you everything. I mean, it it had, it, it made you laugh. It made you cry. It made you tear up. It made you get goosebumps. It made you feel emotions at the end, especially if you have kids, you know, at the end where she's fighting that demon inside of her and trying to remember the happiest day she ever had with her family, and trying to get through that. And that was such a great moment and scene, I thought, to wrap that film up. And the way James Wan really got in there and the the camera work that he employed, I thought, was great with that movie. And he continued to do that uh, with the the other few movies that he did in this universe. Now, of course, he is not the director for all of them, uh, but I know he started off directing those first two, and... He did not direct this third one, uh, The Conjuring, The Devil Made Me Do It. This one was actory, actory. This one was actually directed by Michael Chaves, if I'm saying that right. And you guys know how I am with names. I'm terrible. James Wan did have a hand in uh, in writing this one. And, of course, Patrick Wilson and Vera Farmiga come back to reprise their roles as Ed and Lorraine Warren and do so once again just really well. Honestly, though, on this time, when I'm watching Patrick Wilson... Not Vera Farmiga as much, and and I don't know if anybody else is going to feel this way, but when I watched the movie, I actually kind of thought Patrick Wilson was coasting a little bit, kind of like I saw him doing in Aquaman, but see, when I watched Aquaman, which James Wan directed that, and Patrick Wilson was obviously, uh, you know, Orm in that film, I thought he he did really good in certain moments, but then there was other moments where he was really wooden and really stale and just looked like he wasn't really trying that hard, kind of like Ben Affleck in Justice League, (laughs) Uh, the Whedon cut, that is, and uh, because, trust me, we could talk for hours about the uh, the Wheaton cut versus the Snyder cut, and that's something I will eventually want to do on one of these episodes, but not now. But when I come back to this, in this third Conjuring movie, I really do kind of feel like Patrick Wilson was coasting a little bit and wasn't pulling out his greatest work, uh, but not the whole time. It, it was weird. It was, re- it was real inconsistent uh, performance by him, in my opinion, and maybe not everybody's going to feel that way, but I thought at times he looked like he was just coasting and just kind of doing the job and, you know, cutting a check. 
But then other times it looked like he was really putting some heart into it. And I don't know if that had anything to do with James Wan not directing this third one. Uh, probably not. But, you know, maybe it did. Who knows? But like I said, James Wan had a hand in writing this one. Uh, but different director this time. So I actually really like The Conjuring Universe and The Conjuring movies. Especially the first two Conjuring films, like I mentioned, by James Wan. So I was really wondering if this one, if I was going to like it as much since he did not direct this one. And when you watch it you can really tell that he still has his stamp all over this film and this universe in general. And I actually thought there were some uses of noise, and I'm not talking jump scares, I'm talking just straight up noise and some of the soundtrack things they did and some of the noises that they added in with some of the things that were going on in the movie. I thought they did a really good job of that, maybe even the best throughout the whole series. I thought they did really well with that. I thought they used audio really, really well here. Uh, and, and use it to create tension, just like most other horror movies, but I was really impressed with the the different sounds and the abstract noises and just the different things they did in this one. I don't know, but I was just really impressed by the overall uh, use of audio blended into this movie. I thought it was done really well. The story alone... So, what I'll say about the story is I thought the story was a little bland, and I thought the, the ending definitely was a letdown, but I did like the villain. I like the villain very much. I thought she did very well. And I actually, I did not, I didn't see the villain coming who she was, that she was, you know, the other priest's daughter. And obviously they had tried to uh, foreshadow this and hint at this in the beginning of the film that he was going to be involved later on or else why do you even really go there? Right. But I do think he, he did really well in his role. And I thought overall the movie was good, but it, was not as good as those first two Conjuring movies. And I do, even though I felt like James Wan did have his stamp on it, I also feel like it was missing uh, a lot of what James Wan brought to those first two films. But like I said, with that said, I still enjoyed the film and I would watch it again. And I didn't think it, it's a bad entry in the universe. Uh, I don't think that at all. I mean, it, it's much better than the first Annabelle movie, which I was so let down by that first Annabelle movie. But yeah, I, I think this one stands up there, and I'm actually ultimately going to give this one three out of five alters. So if you watch the movie, and I preface this episode with the spoiler warning, so you should have already been warned, but the, it has a lot to do with an altar and destroying an altar, and that was actually a part that I didn't like, but they said the word altar, I swear, like 20 times, so I figured that would really fit the rating here. So like I said, three out of five alters, I, I did tip it over the halfway mark, just over halfway, uh, this is not going to get an Undie Award. Like, the first Conjuring movie, I would give an Undie Award to. The second one, not as much, but it's right there. And the third one, unfortunately, the series is trending down, but it's not trending like a cliff straight down, right? It, it's more of, you know, just kind of casually rolling down a little bit. So it's not a, a huge drop-off, which you see a lot of times, especially when you try to spin an entire universe out of a horror movie, right? But I feel like they've done a real good job with it. And overall... I was impressed, and, and I would watch it again, and I would recommend it, especially if you're a Conjuring Universe fan, uh, which I definitely am. So hopefully they keep him coming. Hopefully James Wan stays involved in this, and uh, hopefully we get more Conjuring movies, because honestly, I love them. So I pulled up some statistics 
for The Conjuring the Devil Made Me Do It on IMDb because I love going through stuff like this. And I wanted to look at the ratings and how those ratings compared to the rating I gave it. And they rate on a 10-star scale instead of a 5-star scale like I've been doing. So they, uh, the average rating for this movie is 6.5 out of 10, which I have a rule, an average rule. If I'm thinking about watching a movie and I look it up on IMDb, if it is below a 6.0, I, I, I generally won't even give it a shot unless there's another reason to. But if I don't know anything else about it, th that's a, a good rule that has served me very well. Now, if it's a horror movie, I drop it down to 5 because horror movies always get rated terribly, uh, even though a lot of them are a lot better than their rating might reflect. But... Yeah, 6.5 out of 10, so that's pretty good. So it said about 13% of people that uh, rated this thing gave it a, a 10, and 5% gave it a 9. Only 1.7% uh, gave this a 1 or a 2 out of 10. It's actually really low, so that's really good, but a lot of in the middle, you got a lot of 7 and 6 star ratings, which took about a quarter of, of the entire population of people that reviewed and rated, and, and rated this movie. Now, I do like to go over and look at uh, trivia and stuff, and something that really took me by surprise that I did not know is Lorraine Warren, who's played by Vera Farmiga in the Conjuring movies, which we talked about a little bit earlier, she actually died a natural death age 92 on April 18th, 2019, so it was, this was just two years ago, and she had been a head consultant on all of the Conjuring projects up until that point, as she was an avid follower of this, ser of this series that was based off of her own work, uh, which I thought was really cool. So I thought that was interesting, and, you know, talking about the movie, I started to think about some more things, and in, in the beginning of the film, I did really like what they did with the kid. I thought they did some really cool, creepy, just kind of shocking stuff that really shocked you when you first saw it, and the 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 creaking and the cracking of the body when he's contorting, uh, I loved that, and I loved the homage to uh, the exorcist, they did a great homage to the exorcist in the beginning, and a few things. A psycho, they get a great homage to Psycho when the kid was in the shower. I mean, they did a few cool homages that I thought was really awesome for them to do in this and just kind of sprinkled throughout the movie that made the movie a little bit more fun. And I think that added to my overall experience. And I think that really helped. Now, something I, I'm glad that I, I can get to before I forgot to mention it is I do think that the first half of the movie is a lot stronger than the second half of the movie. I feel like it started off very strong really well. I was got I was so interested in it and I wanna know I was actually interested about this case and I was wondering if they were gonna go into either pay an homage to or, or kind of take a little bit from the exorcism uh, the exorcism of Emily Rose uh, movie. I can't even talk. I love that movie. I think that's a great movie to watch. And I thought they were gonna kinda maybe play by those rules for a little bit and we were gonna see uh, some of the case, but we really didn't see much of the trial at all until the end. And that really shocked me because I thought that's exactly where this movie was heading. And that's kind of what the trailers kind of hint to. And maybe that was intentional. Maybe they wanted you to think that. And then you go in and find out, oh no, this is actually a whole nother story about what I really looked at it as was that the villain was like, was like uh, Lorraine. Okay. So Lorraine has these powers and she's really connected. And God gave her these abilities in this conjuring universe in the movie uh, to do these certain things, to see things and be a, a medium, so to speak, not I guess she's not really a medium, but she is, I don't know, but she can see certain things and interact with certain things and has these visions and goes into different universes, it seems at times, and she's got all these powers, so it really seemed like the villain that they put in this movie was on the other end of the spectrum and was basically Lorraine, but on the hell side of things and a lot closer to the devil, and I really liked that, and I thought they did a really good job of 
you know, light against darkness. And obviously they do that in all of these Conjuring movies. But the way they did it here, where the light was portrayed by a human and the darkness was portrayed by a human as well, not another entity or a demon. I thought that was really brilliant to do. Uh, and I was upset that they got rid of her at the end because I actually think I actually liked that villain. And I, even though she barely said anything, I thought she really portrayed a very sinister feel that came off of her that just vibrated off of her. And I thought they did a great job with that. And I thought that she could actually serve the universe going forward. Kind of like in the second movie where The Nun was so popular that they really literally ended up making a spinoff called The Nun. And I would like to see that here with her. Not a spinoff with her, but I would like to see her pop up somewhere in the Conjuring universe later on. Maybe she even crossed paths with Annabelle somehow. I mean, how cool would that be? That would be like your own Conjuring crossover within your own Conjuring universe. And that might make your head spin. I don't know. Maybe not. But I think that sounds really cool, and I think they could do some really cool things with her, and I really liked her. And obviously, in this universe, you know, you can bring people back, clearly. So, if she can do that, bring them back, do it. Do it! I want to see her again. I loved the villain. I thought the villain was really strong. In fact, the villain probably uh, made the movie worth it for me towards the end, because she wasn't even really in the, the first half, and they did really good. And then they kind of sucked it up at the second half, but she was the shining star in that second half of the film, and she even she wasn't even really in the first half. So, like I said, really like the villain. Uh, three out of five alters. I gotta wrap this one up, but yeah, I really enjoyed it. Uh, like I said, not as good as the first two, uh, but not terrible either. Definitely worth a watch. So, I love the Conjuring universe. Hopefully, they keep cranking these things out. Let's talk about Sweet Tooth. All right, Sweet Tooth the comic adaption that Netflix just rolled out that obviously has a production value way higher than most other shows that I've seen on Netflix, even even ones like Jupiter's Legacy, which spent millions. I thought this even looked better than that. Uh, Sweet Tooth is just gorgeous. I mean, the set locations, the sets, everything about it, it's hard to find something to fault the show in general. I'm starting off here by already telling you there's not much I could really find that I didn't like about these first two episodes. So I watched the first two episodes, and like I said, this is on Netflix, so you can go watch the whole series right now if you want. It, it is it is a adaption from a Jeff Lemire comic that was from a DC imprint, so technically it is from DC. Um, and I think it's really cool that when, the, when it first starts up that the DC logo and the Warner Brothers logo, they're set in like the forest and like fur, you know, to try to resemble a deer, I guess. Uh, maybe I'm missing something there when I see that. But I was really curious about this and the trailer really got me interested. So I read a ton of comics and this was one that I never read. And I love Jeff Lemire. I think the guy is incredible. I think he's one of the absolute most consistent, best comic book writers out there right now. And I should have read this because it was from him. And I have heard so much acclaim about this comic uh, when I used to be really big into comics and used to do a comic podcast called The Comic Cast. And that was short-lived. But Jeff Lemire was always popping up when I was talking about comics and doing uh, comic reviews. And even now, I still read a ton of stuff from Jeff Lemire in the past, current Jeff Lemire's great, and he really pinned a masterpiece here, in my opinion. It's not like Watchmen-level masterpiece, the comic, but it's up there, man. It's up there, and this damn gnat is just circling around me. This this thing has a mission. He wants to make me Mike Pence and land on my head, and hopefully the whole world will see it, and that that gnat will become popular, and it'll give me some good reviews for the podcast. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, I guess not. Not on a podcast, right? People can't see the gnat. Maybe you can hear the gnat. I, I don't know. I'm getting way too sidetracked here. Okay, back to this. Jeff Lemire is fantastic. The Sweet Tooth comic, what I've heard, is fantastic. They adapted this from that. 
I was actually shocked. We've seen a lot of comic adaptions recently. This is way out there. I mean, you're talking human-animal hybrids. You're talking post-apocalyptic. And I know we've seen crazy, crazy stuff. Umbrella Academy really pushes it there. A lot of comic adaptions we get nowadays that we never thought we would ever get, you know, even 10 years ago. But now they're doing crazy things like this. And I think the reason why they did this is because you read this and it's like, man, this is insane. This is a crazy story. People are going to look at this and be like, what the hell? But they actually take a second to read, or sorry, to sit down and watch this. They'll truly understand that there is a heartwarming story that is told here. And I really felt it in these first two episodes. And it's really the first time that I watched the Netflix show and it made me want to go read the comic. So many times I've read the comic and it made me want to see the Netflix show when I heard it was coming out, but now it's vice versa and I really want to go read this comic because, guys, the first two episodes of Sweet Tooth were fantastic. Now, let me preface this by saying this is not a masterpiece. I don't think this is maybe as good as that first season of Daredevil was. I, I feel like that's a masterpiece of, of TV, you know, if we're talking within the comic universe recently. But man, Sweet Tooth is good. It's really good. And Christian Convery, who plays Gus, is killing it, in my opinion, in these first two episodes. This kid can portray fear, yet curiosity, dread, yet hope, and he does so effortlessly, and he blends them all together in certain moments where it's like he's given this expression that I don't know what to feel. It's like, should I feel fear coming off of him? Or is he so overtaken by curiosity that he's not even scared like he should be? This kid should be terrified. But then there's moments like when he's up on top of the roof shooting uh, Tommy. uh, We'll just call him Big Man. Shooting Big Man where it's like you're scared of him, but you should be curious. and And I want you to be curious. I want you to want to know what he's about and where he's going. And I want you to want to go out there. And eventually he does. But at that moment, it's like... What is he feeling right there? I want him to feel this, but he's feeling this. And there's so many moments throughout these first two episodes where he just portrays all of that so well. And I'm just so impressed by this kid's acting so far in these first two episodes. I need to watch more, obviously. But I I, I got goosebumps in this. I teared up a little bit in this. There, There's so many moments as, as a dad you, you can relate uh, with Gus's dad and wanting to keep him safe, even if that means he doesn't get to experience all these amazing things. And you, you've seen that in a lot of these post-apocalyptic movies where there's a dad and a kid. But this one does such a good job at it. And it's different because the kid is a hybrid. And, you know, it was really cool to see the people show up and that were from the outside world and were just amazed that he could talk. And, like, I didn't know anything about this. And I am so invested now. And I want to know so much more about this world. And Jeff Lemire did such a good job building this world brick by brick throughout his series, I believe. Because if he didn't, I don't think the show would have been able to create this so well. I think they've done such a good job bringing this comic to life. And I'm going to go ahead and rate this bad boy. So the first two episodes of Sweet Tooth, I am going to give an outstanding four and a half antlers out of five. Four and a half antlers out of five. And I am going to award a temporary undie award to this show. So if you don't know what an undie award is, my favorite TV show of all time is The Office. And obviously they give out these things called Dundee Awards on that show, obviously. Uh, if you don't know what that is, it's it's a crazy award that Michael Scott the Boss gives his employees. So I like to model my reward here on this podcast after my favorite show of all time in tribute to that show. And that is what an undie is. It is a Popsy Underground Award 
called an undie. Yeah, maybe it's terrible. I don't know. Whatever. I am going to give this a temporary undie. Now, if I watch the show and it's not as good as the first two episodes were, that undie can be revoked and we will revisit that uh, once I do finish it. But for now, it is granted a temporary undie award. Congratulations to Sweet Tooth. What a great show. What a way to get me interested in that whole universe. And I can't wait to sit down and read the comic. So good. Cannot wait to watch more. And by the way, they did such a good job on the CGI in the animation of the animal human babies. And Gus, even though I think Gus has some practical effects, it looks like. Maybe not all the time, but sometimes. But man, it's just so cool watching this kid get to experience real life that he didn't get to and see these other kids. But these other kids are so interested in him, too, because he's got freaking antlers sticking out of his head. And the guy's like, the, the other kid's like scratching the back of his ear trying to get his leg to kick like a dog. And it's like, that's so brilliant. That's so funny. That's so cute. That's so cool. Uh, I love the show. I highly recommend it. Go check it out on Netflix if you haven't. Great, great show. Uh, and with that, that's going to wrap it up. So this was a very quick episode. Very quick uh, Pops the Underground episode. Once again, I apologize for being away for so long. I'll get into that later on. But just a lot going on, man. But my, my daughter, Cara, she was born. She is here. She's absolutely beautiful. Uh, you can check out my uh, Facebook page if you want to see her, and uh, I'm sure I've posted it uh, on the show pages as well. If not, I'll go ahead and do that, because uh, she's beautiful and you got to see her. But, guys, thank you so much for listening. Thank you for coming back if you came back. Uh, I'm, I'm going to be cranking these out. I don't want to promise anything, obviously, but I will see you guys soon. I'm going to be cranking these out as much as I can. Thank you, thank you, thank you. If you can... Please go on Apple Podcast and leave a review because reviews help the show more than anything. Please go leave a review uh, if you want to. There's also a tip jar link at the bottom of the show notes to do that to, to help me keep this thing going and get some better equipment. And I need to get a camera uh, for the live stuff and all that. So hopefully we will get that rolling because I'm really, really am trying to take this thing uh, to another level. So hopefully we can do that. So once again, guys, thank you very much. I will see all of you soon. Always remember to save that Multiverse One podcast at a time. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I will see you on the next episode. Later. Later.